0: Welcome to Unleashed at Work and Home, the show dedicated to helping veterinarians, vet techs, dog trainers, shelter and rescue workers, pet sitters, and all the other animal-crazy pet professionals manage their stress and find more joy. I'm your host, Colleen Pilar, and I'm thrilled you're here with us today. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on your favorite app so that you won't miss a single episode. This episode is brought to you by our free community, the circle of resilient and thriving pet professionals. If you like the ideas shared here, then you're invited to continue the conversation with other lifelong learners in the community. You can find out more at colleenpilar.com community. It's the perfect place for you to learn cool stuff, feel good, and take action to create the life you love. Come join us. My guest today is Ryan Cartledge, and he's the founder of the Animal Training Academy. Ryan's been working as a professional animal trainer around the world for the past 13 years in New Zealand, Australia, Canada, and the United States. He's trained entire teams of animal professionals, developed animal training programs, has been published in leading industry magazines, spoken at international conferences, and delivered presentations in a university on animal behavior. As a self-confessed behavior geek, Ryan's a dedicated lifelong learner, and he's currently doing his Karen Pryor professional dog training certification with his best friend in the world, Phoebe Dog. Through the Animal Training Academy, he connects hundreds of animal training and behavior enthusiasts with a large and growing library of online lessons and tutorials delivered by some of the world's most renowned animal experts. And as a confessed behavior and training geek myself, I really wanted to talk to Ryan. So thanks so much for joining me today, Ryan.
1: Uh, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Colleagues have spoken very highly of you and what you what you do uh, and... I managed to have a listen to some of your episodes on a recent vacation we took. Yes, two vacations, by the way.
0: Two vacations. That's nice.
1: <laughs> oh, yes, yes, to having a vacation, <laughs> <laughs> which, which which was uh, um, due to an event in my life last year where I burnt out a little bit. It uh, was the first vacation I've done in my life where I really appreciated the fact that I was there to... Focus on me, uh, and in doing so, I listened to so many episodes and loved them.
0: Well, that's pretty awesome. So, the word we're going to be using to talk about today is approximations. But I want to back up just a little smidge there and say, the first vacation where you realized that the purpose was to focus on you, how did that feel to acknowledge that to yourself?
1: Yeah, and I'm trying to think back to. It felt relaxing. <laughs> Uh, it felt it just felt good I don't it felt right it felt it felt new and it was because to help more animals and more people I needed to make sure that I looked after myself so that I was present and able to be uh, who I needed to be to fulfil that role and and also talking about roles you know, I'm not just a behavior geek. I'm also a husband and soon to be father. Mm-hmm. I was about to say father, but my current, air quotes, babies have fur and four legs and I'm a family member and I'm a friend uh, and I have my own hobbies. So to be there for all of my customers with regards to animal training and behavior, it felt like it was it was new and novel because I've never done that. It's always been like I've never switched off from animal training, but I made sure that I was just a husband and I was just making sure that I was nourishing my soul <laughs> 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 with food and uh, activities and sun and sleep. Yeah. And it sounds odd, but we went to a really beautiful place in New Zealand and we watch a lot of Netflix and what Netflix en- enabled us to do is just switch off from everything yeah, and dive into some other world. So it seemed odd that we would hire an Airbnb, like in a really nice location and lie in bed and watch Netflix. <laughs> but I like can tell you, it's exactly <laughs> what we need.
0: Exactly. And you just talked about how you have roles beyond your work role. And yeah. if you don't fill yourself back up, then you're kind of giving your friends and family and, and pets and animals that you care for, and that baby who's coming soon, less of you. And so it really is important to fill yourself back up because so often it is the people we care about most and the animals we care about most who get the least of us. When we hit that spot of of feeling a little frazzled and burned out, we put what little we have left into work and then kind of leave the rest as if it's just going to keep humming along. And that's
1: doesn't work well. Yeah, and, and that idea of really being conscious of roles uh, was from a book by Stephen Covey called First Things First
0: mm-hmm.
1: where he explains that all of these instant messages you get any, any time someone calls you on the phone or any interruption you get during the day seems like it's important and seems like it's urgent. But he reminds us that to put first things first and just because it's happening right now and just because it's in front of you doesn't mean that it's what you should be focusing on. So our first things, and I think everyone listening will agree, family, mm-hmm. friends are the first thing. So it's, I consistently remind myself and I actually send my wife an email every Monday with goals surrounding being a better husband, being a better family member, being a better friend. And so that together we can work as a team because we acknowledge my behavior geekism as a disease. <laughs> I'm just joking it's not a disease. <laughs> um, and, and together we work to ensure that I'm putting first things first. And she likes it because there's a husband goal on there. She's like, yeah. oh <laughs> what am I gonna get this week?
0: Which is pretty wonderful because it, it does help you keep it front and center in your mind. And so that you're making choices consciously and deliberately about what really matters to you. I love your, your yeah. Monday email ID. How long have you been doing that?
1: Well, I burnt out last year. And we actually did a podcast on on my podcast show with a trainer called Petra Edwards from Adelaide uh, in, in Australia. And she talked about burnout. She talked, she, she bravely shared her her whole story of what she uh, led her to realizing she was burnt out and in, in, in some of the dark spaces um, mm-hmm. that she was in. And it was been one of, I've done 110 podcast episodes now for my show. And I think it's the single episode where I was not actually listening to what my guests were saying because I actually withdrew into my own head and went, holy crap. Yeah. That's me
0: mm-hmm
1: and after and I I read first things first back in 2011 and I'd implemented it during animal training academy my current business uh, but it had kind of been you know something you put a certain amount of energy in for a little bit and then you're like and other things that aren't urgent and aren't important creep in and you forgot to, you've, you suddenly you're not doing it anymore and so the idea to email my wife which I started around about May last year, was to get accountability. And now if I don't email my wife on a Monday, she says, hey, where's your email? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing for me this week? <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> she, just, <laughs> she totally supports me. She totally understands that I need to sometimes leave the house or, or, or go and do something that's not with her, not with the animals, it's not mm-hmm. the business, and it's just for me. And I do it mm-hmm. every week. Um, mm-hmm. She totally supports that and 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 then we make sure that awesome stuff happens with regards to our relationship every week as well.
0: Yes, that's wonderful, so that does relate very much to our theme of approximations. so for people who don't know that word, how would you define approximations?
1: Yes, yeah, so approximations are or well, the, the the way that I've used that word and and how that word has been part of my vocabulary for the past 13 years as an animal trainer is with regards to animal training uh, paired with another word and it is successive. So combined that equals successive approximations. And for those non-training geeks out there, what a successive approximation means is it's a step in shaping behavior. So just in case anyone is unaware of shaping behavior, uh, that just means when we're teaching an animal a new behavior and, to replace the word successive approximations with something that might be more easily understood is to use the word baby steps. So we're taking baby steps to to teach our animals new behaviors from where they currently are, whatever they're currently doing, to the final behavior that we want to see from them. And so those little baby steps, another way, or the, the terminology that behavior geeks use, these successive approximations, does that explanation makes sense?
0: It does to me, but I tend to use the phrase. So we'll find out if others think that it was confusing, but I doubt it. I think I think the concept of baby steps is something that most of us are familiar with, but we don't always think about how important it is to have both positions in mind. Where am I now and where do I want to be? Or in the case of training an animal, where is the animal now and where do I want the animal to be and and what are all of the little pieces in between? And it's, I think, the most powerful thing we can do is to look at, well, what are some of the intermediate steps that could get us forward? So what do you think are, well, first off, why are they important to you? Why do you think approximations are important?
1: Yeah, so uh, a mutual colleague of ours, uh, Dr. Susan Friedman, Mm -hmm. has a saying, celebrate approximations. And approximations have always been important to me because I'm an animal trainer and without approximations, I wouldn't be very good at what I do. (laughs) Without using baby steps to teach our animals' behaviours, I would just be relying on other techniques and, and, and be missing a, a very vital and important tool from our toolkit. When I burnt out, uh, I had a sticker on my wall next to my computer, uh, and it came from Dr. Susan Friedman. I ordered from her a whole bunch of her stickers and posters with uh, a bunch of her information on it. and, and one one of the things she sent me was this car bumper sticker that said "Celebrate Approximations," and it was brightly coloured and had some nice swirls and things on it. It was an attractive sticker, and I stuck it up on the wall uh, next to my computer. So I looked at it every day, and without really uh, realising it, kind of was doing something to my brain, mm-hmm. <laughs> making me making me focus on those two words, and so. What I did at that time was just start to use it in my conversation with clients, with others, and we were celebrating little things that they were doing towards and remembering to do to celebrate little things that they were doing, and uh, in, in whatever projects they were working on. And and also something that I did for myself, I started to focus more on approximations that I was doing. Now I'm a pretty goal-oriented person, and my goals are lofty. And they are years out in advance and they're in numerous areas of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did an activity for probably about two weeks and I don't know why I started doing this or how it came about, but I have an app on my phone called Evernote. And what I started to do every day was write down in Evernote anything I did towards achieving one of my larger goals. anything Mm -hmm. and the size of those lists at the end of the day was phenomenal and I acknowledged that at times in my life I'll get to the end of the day and focus my thoughts on all of the things all of the big projects and end goals I had that I'd been trying to achieve for a long time and were still elusive to me at right. the end of that day right? Um, but when I wrote down all of these things and I looked at it and I went I'm so much closer to my goals at 9 o'clock at night than I was at 6am this morning and some of those little approximations were little but mm-hmm. they, they mean that even though they were little they might seem insignificant and small they mean that I'm now closer to that goal than I was before I did that thing, no right. matter how small it was, and and that allowed me, you know, paired with the fact that my mind was had this had these two words "celebrate approximations" rolling around in it due to that sticker on my wall next to my computer. I just started celebrating these things, and another, and, and when I say celebrating, I just mean r- literally reading them off my phone app and having that realization that I just shared with you and I'm not a neuroscientist and I I have no tools to measure my brain chemistry, but I I imagine, you know, that releasing good hormones and making me feel good. But what I I can say is I I focus on those things more now. This is only in the last 12 months. So there's reinforcement there. That's my hypothesized reinforce Uh, uh, guess at what those reinforcers are. And the other thing that I acknowledged and, and the other thing that I wrote down in that list was not just things I did that actually worked or were what some people might label as successful. There were things I did that didn't work and things that kind of set me back, but I realized those things provided me information right. and I couldn't take the next required a necessary step without having failed
0: right. but
1: I don't like that word but I'm, I'm using it to hopefully help people understand what I'm trying to share without having air quotes failed I, I couldn't be where I was to make the next decision that I needed to make to get me closer mm-hmm. to my goals so uh, you've likely heard it before but therefore that's an approximation mm-hmm. That means you might be successful, but it's approximation worthy of celebration, I think. So so focusing on that, like everything, the the only time I feel I wouldn't be happy celebrating, but I don't, you know, a a trainer friend of mine, Sarah Owings, says, I'm paraphrasing you, Sarah, sorry if you listen to this and I butcher this, she said that one thing she's really proud of is she'll never go into the next session with her animal when she's doing some shaping and some training and do exactly the same things. You'll always change something. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so the only time I think I wouldn't be celebrating, but I don't do this, I hope I don't do this, (laughs) (laughs) but maybe I do, is um, if I just did the same thing and expected different results. So there's a question I ask myself, which is what can I change, what can I do different, and sometimes my brain doesn't come up with something. So the second question I ask is if there was something I could do no matter how small and significant that thing might seem, what would it be? And something I learned a long time ago is if you ask your brain a question
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you just keep asking it, like your brain is pretty amazing and all of the answers are actually stored in there. Yes. You just need to keep asking the question and ask the right questions. Yes. Yeah. That's why they're important.
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely see the value of of your practice on multiple levels you know the the practice of recording what you've done one of the biggest challenges that solopreneurs have from what i've read is that they don't have a way of measuring what they've accomplished because their goals are lofty and far out and so having this recording of what you've done gives your brain the chance to go oh i actually did work today. And then as you're saying, the part about celebrating and really consciously saying, look at me, I'm moving forward, does affect all of the brain chemistry and sets your brain up the next day to start going, well, what, what am I doing right now that, that's going to make my list? What's, what's happening that will be worthy of celebration? But there's also the more practical side of just practice and fluency, that you get better at things because you're doing them. And so by having this habit of saying, I'm going to really focus on what I'm doing and be intentional and conscious about it and try to be just a little bit better each time, learning from the things that didn't work and tweaking the things that did, like what will happen next, it it layers together so beautifully to provide huge lasting change in little tiny steps that that feel doable, and I think that's a piece that's underestimated because it sounds so simple. It sounds really sort of too easy, and also it sounds too slow. But it really is the fastest and best way to to do a strong behavior change. Do you agree?
1: Yeah. Well, the saying and and, and by the way, like I, I don't, I, I've found it very challenging to live this all of the time um, when workload gets high Mm -hmm. and due dates are looming it it can be forgotten in the moment that's in reflection I think for me when I remember that I I haven't got to a point yet where it's consciously present in my mind whilst I'm working Mm -hmm. but yeah one thing I do know from animal training um, and I learned this listen all the time and still have to remind myself and and as I'm doing a certification now you know it's it's one of the few times in my life where I really got a significant financial investment because it's not cheap to do some of the certifications on offer Mm -hmm. Um, so you know the cost of like if I was participating in a free online activity to do some animal training like the cost of it would be like oh, I didn't do it uh, maybe right. there's some social reinforcers on, on at risk there and punishes, but with, a, with an investment, financial investment the size that it is, and in, in, in looming deadlines, and you need to train this behaviour by this date, and you know you've also got your business to run and everything else. I, I I find myself learning still significantly, significant lessons. Some of the biggest lessons that I know that I'm going to carry forward for years that you get, we're going to get to our end goals faster if we go slower. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you just try to speed it up with animal training, I'm talking about animal training specifically now. But I think we can ref- reflect on that and feel and and talk about how it's relevant to other areas of our life. But yeah, you can't be- just because you want your animal to do something, try to speed the process up. You need to go at the animal's pace, and sometimes that's slow. But you're going to get where you need to get faster by going slow. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I agree.
0: Well, since we have so many dog people on the podcast, let's ask you to, to share an example that's not dogs so that we can all broaden a bit. Tell us about a uh, behavior that you've trained to a species other than dogs where where you did have to use approximations and what was an interesting thing that you created with that?
1: Do you want, do you want one where relating to what we were just talking about with regards to going slow?
0: Yeah, to let's do there that. get
1: faster? Right, so I've spent a long time working in zoos and specifically or in, in places where um, exotic animals are cared for uh, and specifically were birds. So I'm an animal training geek and a bird nerd. I love birds. And with regards to training birds, we were free flying them Uh, So we were doing educational demonstrations for for visitors to organizations I was working at, talking about the species and talking about conservation. Now, coming into an organization as an animal trainer uh, and that being your area of expertise and the subject matter that um, you'll bring into the team, your job is then to help and uh, the organisation's goals and, and work with the rest of the team, including management, to uh, get the behaviours that are good for the organisation. They're good for the animals, they're good for the bottom line, they're good for the visitors, they're good for the team. Now, as we've just been talking about, we get there faster by going slower. Your job then becomes to communicate that to the managers who want the behaviors to be trained last week. Mm-hmm. So, I've sometimes been in situations, and luckily I've been effective, I feel, at communicating the importance of taking it slow, but been in situations where the expectation was there before the animal even arrived at the organization to become part of our goals that we were working on with regards to what things I just talked about. So that expectation is there before we even know the animal. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've I've definitely had animals that would exhibit behaviours I label as as fearful and nervous. So, for example, I'm thinking of a young owl and would take an owl and this is a small species of owl, um, asking it to free fly in an area where we have falcons, falcons that would very happily (laughs) consume these little birds very unnatural for them to be flying around in an open area during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so these aren't these aren't nocturnal necessarily fully nocturnal hours. They're crepuscular, which means they're active at dusk and dawn. Um, so they are flying around when it's light outside, but not in the middle of the day when it's optimal time to educate our zoo visitors. So so really, we have to go to get to get an owl that's going to live for the next 20 to 30 years and partake in the, the goals of this organisation cooperatively um, in a way that is good for everyone involved, we have to really take it slow. And, and by spending that time building confidence, behaviours we would label as confidence, confident and resilience in that young bird, we're going to be setting it up and the park up and, and the future people working with that animal for its lifetime. However, you can kind of see that when management's looking at that, they're, they're investing, you know, if you look if you look at their job, they've got a lot more things to think about than me as the animal trainer uh, has to think about. Uh, you know, they're thinking about how the fact that visitors are coming in, visitors are leaving reviews on TripAdvisor, we're buying the animals food, the animals taking up space, why isn't it already doing what we need it to be doing? So my job then becomes updating management in a way that demonstrates to them how well this animal's doing mm-hmm. and and celebrating the approximations. And so yeah that that's kind of one example. and it was just we took video, we shared video, we'll send the email updates to' videos, we'll get other staff excited about it and other staff involved'll bring management down to show them and and luckily I managed to build up trust where, I was given the resources required to to give those animals what they needed. But then we we managed to get really great animals and shows that at the end of the day helped inspire people, pull those people's attention away from the fact that their kids are screaming and, you know, they're running low on a budget on their holiday and, and suddenly get them into the present moment, open their minds up and inject conservation messages in there to, to help hopefully help them go away and make some behavioral changes themselves. So I mean the, the the outcomes are huge yeah. from, from that. But yeah, that that's one example.
0: Yeah. And and not easy to train that little owl to fly where the falcons are at a time of day when they don't want to. So you have a couple of strikes against you even before you start. So going slow to to get there is important. In your own life, do you have an example of of a personal change where you've decided to go slow to get there faster?
1: Well, I think, like, an example is just what we do at home. So, you know, one observation that me and my wife made when we started the emails and, and setting the weekly goals it's possible, <laughs> I say tentatively, that mm-hmm. without intentionally meaning to do so, my time might. <laughs> be more dedicated to the dog sometimes than our cats. <laughs> um, so and I love our cats and just uh, oh, they're, they're my heart. Like my heart melts just thinking about them. But my dogs would me all day. Like My dog pretty much mm-hmm. doesn't leave my side. And so we decided to set some goals with regards to me, specifically putting a dog inside and doing things with the cats. And so, We've been building because our cats are house cats. The reason they're house cats is because working in zoos for many years, I spent lots of time and invested lots of resources in helping injured native New Zealand wildlife back to health that had been unfortunately involved in incidences with cats. So we made the decision when we got cats that we were going to um, keep them inside but modify our lives around having Mm -hmm. indoor cats. The two houses that we've owned, we've slowly turned into uh, giant enclosures (laughs) for our animals. Uh, In our current one, we have two catios, so outdoor cat enclosures Mm -hmm. that are attached to our house. So every week I would just say that I'm going to spend – and and these outdoor areas have just improved life at home for everyone Um, because you can imagine if you don't have – if you have cats that don't go outside, you've got to be pretty careful about opening doors and opening right. windows. And, right. Um, and it's, it's not just the birds. You know, these cats ha- don't have a learning history now of roads and cars and, and all of this stuff. So, you know, it's not just about, oh, we can't let them out because they've got to go eat birds, but there's cats in the neighbourhood. There's, there's a bunch of dangers for them outside, so we're pretty careful about that. And so I would just say, okay, cool, two weeks, two hours, sorry, This week, I'm just going to spend on on the catio. Mm -hmm. And it might mean just going to the hardware store and buying some pieces of wood and getting them home and stacking them up. The catio is not built. Cats are still inside. We've still got to be careful of the doors, but the wood's now downstairs and it wasn't there last week. So (laughs) my wife will tell you um, when I get started on one of these projects, which I do all the time because I love building things and love doing stuff with my hands. It's not going to happen overnight, but it will happen.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: we, yeah, just that and, that and celebrating that. And every yeah. week when I did it, I would just, I'd remind myself and I'd remind my wife what what we've achieved and how much closer we are to this catio, even though, you know, I've been doing that for the last five months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but hey, now now we have two catios. We've got a catio on the front of our house on a balcony. We can open our doors and, and just that just thinking about our own reinforcers, not our cats, being able to open the doors on the side of our house where the sun smashes for about six, seven hours throughout summer every day has changed our lives <laughs> because the house is just cool now and it affects our moods and it affects how we do everything and how we go about our days. And then we've got another cat out at out the back of our house as well. So there's lots of movement. Now I want to build a tunnel under it anyway. (laughs) I do want to build a tunnel under our house. (laughs) I don't already know how I'm going to do it. So we'll just have to approximate ourselves. It,
0: It sounds challenging, a tunnel under the house.
1: Which sounds exciting to me.
0: It does. A tunnel over sounds easier to me, not knowing anything about construction. But under sounds like excavation. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so, oh no! You can you can already get under our house. So oh, our okay. house are on piles, but the house is lifted up, um, and I already know. Anyway, it makes sense in my mind. <laughs> I look forward to sharing it when it's done. Yes.
0: Yeah, that will be interesting to see. We'll we'll love a video of your cats enjoying the catio's and going from this one under the house to that one.
1: <laughs> well, the, you know, this is a completely south self, selfish goal as well. Uh, in our old house, my office where I'm currently sitting was attached to our house. And then, uh, my current office is, but it's in our garage and there's no internal access. So every day in the morning when the dog was sleeping in my wife's bed, the cats would come in and spend two or three hours with me cuddling. Mm-hmm. I'd jump up on my lap and they'll just be there with me, even just sleeping by my side, and, and I don't have that anymore. So
0: Yeah, so everyone will win when you can when you can build your tunnel. yeah (laughs) okay so you've sold us all on the on the benefits of approximations and baby steps but if it's so smart what gets in our way why do we why do we have a tendency to just go lunging toward the big goal without looking at all the baby steps in between
1: yeah and I know you sent me that question beforehand and to be honest with you I don't have an answer I don't don't know (laughs) i don't, I don't know why we do it, but I know that we do it and and I don't know what the reinforces are you know and and i I, get, I don't know if I've really thought about it other than when you sent me the email and and had that question in it, and I thought maybe I'll try to come up with some some reason but i I don't know maybe it's maybe it's because so one thing I did think about was um there's a game called portal. Well it's not a game. It is a game. It's not a game. It's a way to learn about behavior. Um, Portal stands for portable portable operant research and teaching. I can't remember what the A stands for, laboratory. And it's you can learn how to do shaping without animals, uh, with a human partner, using a clicker device and and a bunch of tokens and toys and little things on the table to to shape behavior. Um, And there's a whole there's a whole course a university paper, a university course, where all the students do is play Portal for an entire um, season to learn the to learn the practical application of the stuff that's being done in labs,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and so the people that run that course have turned it into an actual book that you can purchase online, um, and you can play these games with your friends, with your colleagues, with your family, and so we played that recently. Uh, in november i took it to a zoo i work at in australia uh, and we played portal with the team there and that was the first time i played it uh, the, the that, uh, manual was released last year and um, sorry i received it and then took it to australia with me so it was <laughs> it's funny like it was, it was so enjoyed by the team that at the end you know sometimes when you finish something and i've worked with this team for years but you finish something and someone kind of like claps and then they look around and they're like, should I be clapping? <laughs> like, <laughs> we, finished, we finished our first session at Portal and like it was unanimous and and like there was no question, like everyone just burst into this round of applause. And I was like, wow, like, you know, the learning in there was so intense. And one of the things we learned was um, we could teach, a, and and I see this with animals all the time, we could teach a behavior to our animal. And so in Portal, you've got the teacher and the learner, mm-hmm. they're both humans, you teach them a behavior. Once it's complete, then the teacher asks the learner, what do you think I taught you?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, it was surprising how often the learner would come back and say, oh, you taught me this. And the teacher's like, no, I didn't. Yeah. However, the learner is doing the exact behaviour yeah. that would be required to fulfil the requirements of the teacher. Um, and I see it with animals all the time when we when we teach. Well, I think I do. You know, we can't. The, the great thing about Portal is you can ask your learner these mm-hmm. types of questions. We can't ask our animals. And I think it's a big frustration of new trainers when they're trying to teach an animal is that they and and, and Portal reminded me of this we think it's so simple because we understand it right? and we know what the steps are and like all the person, all the learner has to do whether it's a human or your dog or your owl, whatever it is, all the learner has to do is that next behavior. So easy. They're definitely going to do it. And the learner's like thinking that you're trying to teach it something completely different. Mm -hmm. Um. So, so I was just musing about this. And potentially it's because, we think things are a lot easier to do than they actually are Yeah, for ourselves and for our learners. Consequently, we tend to lump. That's a hypothesis I have no data to give you.
0: And we have a whole framework in our heads of, of where the new information can attach because we do have a bigger understanding. I have done a session with groups where we'll have someone leave the room and when someone comes back in, Someone will uh, just with tapping tap out "Happy birthday," so the whole audience knows it's going to be happy birthday, and in their heads they're sort of humming along like they can absolutely hear happy birthday with the with the knocking sound, and the guesser very rarely can guess, so we're like it's a song you know, you absolutely know this, what is it?" and they go, "Ah but we discount the fact that when we know that it's happy birthday, that we're actually hearing it in that framework. We've attached it to other information in our brains and it makes total sense. So when we're the teacher, we frequently do that to our students where we're like, I can see how this is all connected. What's your problem? But they don't know where to connect the information. <laughs> and so it's they they aren't learning what we think we're teaching. It's a fascinating thing to to really play with and explore and to realize that we aren't nearly as clear as we would like to believe we are, which is why we have to go slow to get yeah. there fast.
1: And, and I mean, that experience for a teacher is talking from my own experience and what talk from talking with other trainers and from observing uh, is extremely frustrating Yeah, for yeah. a teacher. And so there's also challenges sometimes uh, in motivation Mm-hmm. There's reinforcers lacking from not learning this effectively. And and for anyone listening that wants to, I highly recommend Portal. It's such, you know, that round of applause that we got. And then, and then we went to the pub to have dinner with the team one night and they're like, are you bringing Portal? And I couldn't <laughs> stop them. They had Portal out on the table. They're drinking, they're playing, they're teaching each other new behaviors.
0: Well, awesome. I'll link to that in the show notes so people can find it.
1: Totally. Mary Hunter and Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz uh, from the University of North Texas uh, have put that together, who are both additionally amazing people and highly recommend you get on your podcast.
0: Yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, thanks so much for joining me today to talk about approximations. This was really interesting, Ryan. If people wanted to learn more about you and the work that you do, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, so they can head over to my website, animaltrainingacademy.com. Uh, there's a little bit of information about me on there, but it's not really about me, Animal Training Academy, it's more about uh, all of the superheroes that are the members of our academy uh, and all of the content creators we have on that space. Um, so there's a, there's a podcast show on there, my Animal Training Academy podcast show, there's a free course, there's a blog post Um, So a whole bunch of information there, all that stuff I just mentioned is free. And then on Facebook, you can find Animal Training Academy or Ryan Cartledge. And so that's where I'm most active on social media. I'm on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram, but it's it's (laughs) a lot of work to keep up with all of that stuff. So I'm, I'm on Facebook every day.
0: Awesome. Well, I will link to that in the show notes as well. Thanks so much for joining us on Unleashed at Work at Home. I really appreciate you being here today
1: totally and uh, just finish on two words celebrate approximations
0: indeed thanks for listening to unleashed at work and home i invite you to come learn more at com slash community where you can be steady be strong and be long